Welcome to the Peace of Me podcast. This is your space for all things peace, positivity, and finding balance to live your best life. Life gets busy and at times it's messy. I'm here to help you clean things up and put peace back in its place. I'll share tips, ideas, interviews, mindset shifts, and fresh perspectives to help you along the way. Hi friends, it's Lexi Lee. If you're new here, welcome. And if you are not new, then welcome back and thanks for coming back to the podcast. Now, before I tell you about today's guest, please do me a quick favor and support this podcast by hitting the follow button on the top of your podcast page. And while you're busy following, if you could come and follow the Peace of Me podcast on Instagram at Peace of Me Podcast. Now, a couple of months ago, I took a guided manifestation workshop and sound bath hosted by today's podcast guest, Tess from Completely Golden. The class was 90 minutes in length. It required a notebook, deep thinking, and a willingness to do the work. And I was all new to this, but very intrigued. Now, when I first connected with Tess, she had told me about her upcoming East Coast tour after traveling from her home in LA to Costa Rica for other scheduled retreats. And I knew that I wanted to meet her and take her class, but I didn't really know what to expect. So let me tell you about my own experience taking her class. And I'm going to tell you about the reality of what really happened. Now, I had a really tough time finding the building that the studio was located in. I drove around for an extra 10 minutes listening to my GPS for like the third time tell me that I'd already arrived. And once I did, I ran inside and I was the last person to show up. Yeah, I was that person. Now, everyone already had their blankets, chairs, and notebooks, and they were all positioned in a half circle around the front of the room with Tess and her sound bowls. There was no tiptoeing into the room either. Plus, I had on sandals, which is like a no-no in the yoga and healing center world, so another oops on my part. Now, the owner gently escorted me out of the room and directly to a cubby to put my belongings. So I put my keys, my wallet, my cell phone, and my notebook into the cubby. Now, Tess and the staff had kindly created a space for me while I was doing this and helped me get situated. Now, as the class started, she asked us to take out our notebooks. The notebook. Yeah, the same notebook that was now in a cubby in the other room. So now I had to awkwardly tiptoe back out of the room and into the hallway to the cubby to get the notebook. Not my finest moments, but let me tell you what this class did for me. Tess has a natural light about herself, and she opened up to the class about her journey and her insecurities, which really surprised me. She walked us through several questions that would help us do some personal homework. Now, the windows were open, the breeze blew in, and here we were, about nine women, all wanting to reap the benefits that only Tess could help us achieve. Now, for 90 minutes, I didn't have my phone to scroll social media or text a friend about something that probably didn't really matter. But for 90 minutes, I was focused on her words and her stories and the sounds of the room. And I didn't realize just how much I needed that break. Now, after class, Tess gave me and many others a really warm hug and sent us all on our way. Now, I left feeling incredibly peaceful. Once I was back in my car, I cracked the windows and I drove home in complete silence. When I got home, I felt so much more just calm and recentered, and it just felt really good. And I think that that's the effect that Tess has on people. You just leave better than when you came in. Now, I do want to add a quick disclaimer that I recorded this episode at the end of summer, 
and a lot has happened and changed since the recording of this episode. So I am having Tess back on the podcast to share what those updates are. She's living an exciting life, and I'm glad she's taking us with her on the journey. Now today, Tess is joining me from her home in LA to share her personal story, how she found sound healing, why she chooses not to dye her gray hair, how she manifested a man, and so much more. So let's take a listen. Hi, Tess. Welcome to the Peace of Me podcast. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Absolutely. It's our pleasure for sure. So uh, I did share a little bit about um, kind of my, my uh, experience with you in your workshop when you came to the East Coast in the introduction of this episode. But for the listeners who are kind of maybe new to you, could you share a little bit about your story, your journey, and kind of how you found this life? Absolutely. So I, my name is Tess again, and I am currently living in Los Angeles, California, although I'm kind of on the cusp of my next move, my next chapter, but I am a sound healer. I specialize in hypno meditation, which is uh, hypnosis to access the subconscious as well as manifestation techniques. And all three of those work really well together in allowing us to co-create our reality. So we're connecting with our subconscious belief patterns inputting new information, identifying our own limiting beliefs that stem from childhood. And with that kind of plug and play energy, we can very consciously manifest the life that we're wanting. And of course, me saying that is a lot easier than the work that it takes. And I'm so excited to dive into what really goes on behind this buzzword of manifestation and then how I utilize sound healing, which is very popular on the West Coast more so than the East Coast. You had mentioned that when I came out, I did kind of an East Coast tour for the summer and went from Maine and to New York, upstate New York. And a lot of people, it was their first experience with sound healing. So I find that LA being originally from New York, LA is kind of this like forefront um alternative topics, whether that's fashion or even cosmetics. And also in the spirituality realm, they kind of try it out here first. And a lot of things don't take, they don't hold and they just dissolve away. But the things that really make it and really have that strong foundation eventually will make its way to the East coast. And I'm finding that sound healing is slowly starting to do that, which is so exciting. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, as I shared earlier, I mean, your class was my first experience with a sound bath. So I, I really don't think people, it's not too popular here yet, but hopefully it's, it's catching on for sure. Yeah. Sound healing is a type of meditation. So it's a very relaxing experience and there's nothing really that you need to do in a sound bath, but, uh, with these tools that we'll, we'll talk about in this episode, if you listeners get the chance, the opportunity to attend a sound bath, you can kind of play in that space. Great. So tell us a little bit about your story. I mean, how you started in a very different path and now you're obviously into a very different path of life. So kind of walk us through what your life looked like before, what kind of moment, when did you know that that was not the life that you wanted to kind of lead and what made you go into a different direction? 
So I have had many versions of myself within this single life. I will just point that out. I uh, went to art school and was working as a large scale installation designer for the clothing brand Anthropology in New York. And then I transitioned to opening my own store where I sold houseplants, kitchen and garden items. And that led me into then doing styled shoots and cooking for florists in that collaboration where we would have a whole dinner table set out with my kitchen wares. And then I was making the food for the photos. And then I actually started to host dinner parties. And then I went to nutrition school because I was so interested in the food aspect. And that led me to become a chef. And I worked as a chef both private and was opening a restaurant, a gluten-free vegan restaurant in upstate New York with an investor. And all of this kind of culminates and brings us to the point of 2020 during the lockdown. And of course, opening a restaurant when that happened, everything was put on pause. And I had now all of this time. And as a single person at the time, I really just all the time was my own time. And I was receiving the government checks. And so I didn't have to worry about my finances. I felt very taken care of. And I actually had one of the best times of my life during that period, which I know not, it was not the experience for most people, but it felt like the ultimate freedom because I had so much security around me. I could really just decide, okay, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? If I have all of this freedom, what can I do to support myself to keep growing and keep evolving? And one of those things that came through was consciously working with manifestation. And I found a program, which I highly recommend. It's called To Be Magnetic. And this is an online program. I have a discount code that I'm happy to share with everyone as well. And they have different workshops that pertain to all the different areas of your life. And you begin with the inner child workshop and you move into the shadow workshop. And from there, once you have that understanding of your innermost workings, all of those belief systems that your subconscious is playing out from what you perceived from zero to seven years old, as well as the shadow aspects of yourself, which are all of the shame and the pain and the programming that you've picked up throughout your life. We all experience these things. And so going into your deep subconscious space and just kind of getting the lay of the land in there and understanding that your current reality is simply a projection of all of those beliefs that are happening in the subconscious. From that point, then you can move into, okay, actually, I want to focus on setting boundaries, or I want to focus on money and career, or maybe it's a love relationship. And you navigate yourself through these self-led hypno meditations. So they're pre-recorded 20 to 30 minute meditations that you do once a day. And they have a specific theme, but they're very open because the subconscious is able to shift through suggestion, these meditations offer the opportunity for you to suggest a new outcome. What was it in that situation, let's say when you were six years old and you were bullied on the playground, 
and that wound has stayed with you and now plays through in perhaps your work environment where you feel excluded from your coworkers. In that moment, in your subconscious, in this meditation, you go to that moment and you offer your subconscious a different alternative outcome. Perhaps a teacher comes in to intervene. Perhaps another child says, you know, that's not nice. Cut it out, guys. Maybe you stand up for yourself. Maybe you as your adult version of yourself now comes into the scene and hugs your inner child and says, it's okay. Look at where we are now in our lives. There's lots of different ways that you can suggest this healing. And you'll know when that right one hits because you can feel it physically change within the brain. And this is causing, this is creating a new neural pathway, a new synapse in the mind. And this is all very scientifically proven, which I am a total nerd about science. That's also why I love sound healing. And I'll get into that later, but having that proof to understand like, okay, this isn't like crazy woo woo, like not tangible. I can't really grasp what's going on here. It's a proven formula and equation. And so when you have that output, then you understand what you can do next to keep that evolution going. So that is, again, it's a program called To Be Magnetic. You can, they have a free meditation on their website as well um, that you can just check out. Some people, they'll do that and they're like, you know, I really didn't resonate with that. And that's totally fine. There are so many other ways to connect with this manifestation energy. There's also many other ways to connect with hypnosis, if that's something that you're interested in. So from that moment, it was July of 2020, I joined to be magnetic. I started doing these hypnoses every day, journaling, really following the structure that they suggest. And within three weeks, my whole life changed. I had a suppressed memory surface from abuse of my, in my childhood that really rocked my world. And I will, I say that openly because sometimes that does happen. And a lot of people will not do this work because they're afraid of what's going to come up. But in that moment, I had family, I had friends, I had an active therapist that I was working with. I had cultivated this sense of safety within myself and understanding that my subconscious is only going to show me information that it knows I can handle. That's why it was hidden for so long before. And now I can handle this. So It really shifted my perspective in my life, but looking back, I would do all of that all over again because so much has changed and opened up for me. It was like that, that memory just on its own was keeping me small in this little hole. And now this, everything is so wide open. So I, in that new perspective, made so many changes I was able to see what was so out of alignment with my authenticity, my soul desires. I am the daughter of a Brazilian man who, uh, and I have very warm blood. I need the sun. I love tropical environments. And yet I was living and had grown up and spent my whole life in upstate New York, where every single winter I would literally go into a trauma response. I had Renaud syndrome where I would lose sensation and nerve damage in my fingers and my toes from the cold and fighting through it every single year. And this 
I knew that winter was approaching. It was now August, September, getting into that late fall. I also was in a three-year on and off again, very toxic, anxious, avoidant, dynamic relationship. And then opening this restaurant with an investor that it was shaping out to be the opposite of what I was wanting it to be from every angle. Not only the salary that they had promised me was now cut in less than half of what they said, or my work hours, I was working 70 plus hours a week when we had solidified no more than 50. There were lots of little aspects that were shaping out to be not what I was wanting. So in that moment and with this new clarity of a really like world earth shattering kind of experience, it gave me the courage to say, you know, I don't want to do this restaurant anymore and I'm just handing it off to you. I don't need a payout. I don't need anything. I just do not want this anymore. I also ended the three-year relationship. And I think a lot of us, especially women, we see it in the movies where you kind of go through this in your mind of like, if I get another chance to say exactly what I want to say to him, I'm going to do it. And then you get that chance and you don't really say it. And it's just kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I had that chance and that mem- that image came to my mind. And I was like, I am going to say it. I've rehearsed this monologue so many times since we broke up and now here's my opportunity. And so I said it and it felt incredible. And then I also decided to leave New York and I ended, my lease was coming up for the beginning of November. So I didn't renew and I sold all of my furniture, most of my belongings And I set out in my car for a three month, sorry, four month solo road trip across the country. I did like a zigzag, just really allowing myself to go and be pulled to the places of interest. I had no end goal in mind. I really had no idea where I was going to end up. I reconnected with my dad and he, I hadn't seen him or talked to him since I was four And so that was a very illuminating and healing experience. Um, And then from there, I got to LA and everything felt right. It felt like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And I got a sublet on Craigslist. Within 24 hours, I was hired by a celebrity client that was referred to me from somebody from New York that I didn't even know was connected to the Hollywood industry. And so now I had this job. I was making more money than I could ever even imagine. And everything was moving very smoothly. This was for, I would say, about nine months where I was kind of in this like, oh my goodness, I've manifested everything that I've wanted. I had paid off $60,000 of debt just from my salary because I had all this surplus of money that I didn't know what to do with. I was just like, well, let's get rid of all of this baggage. And eventually, and this is my personal belief, everything, every manifestation that you are calling in eventually will become a test. And I'll talk about what that means in a little bit when I talk about the manifestation equation. But I started to be tested by this dream job. They were wanting more and more from me, more hours. They wanted me working not only just for their family, but now also for dinner parties of 20 people with 
just the morning's notice and seven days a week and just kind of ridiculous requests to the point where I kept having to say no. And I was spending all of my free time getting acupuncture or in the infrared sauna or having a massage or at the chiropractor because my physical body was hurting so much because I was totally neglecting it. So all of this culminates into the end of the year and they let me go because I did not agree to work for them seven days a week. I don't know who would agree to that, but hey, within 24 hours, I wake up in excruciating pain and I'm rushed in an ambulance to the emergency room where they told me that I've had a ruptured ovarian cyst. And for anyone who's not experienced this first, I hope that you never do. Uh, but the ER doctor told me that it is more painful than childbirth. Wow. It was completely outrageous. And I was alone in LA. I, d- I moved here by myself. I didn't have anybody with me. It's the middle of the night. I'm on the phone with my mom who's in New York and so worried because she can't really do anything in that moment. And they do ultrasounds. They find that both of my ovaries are covered in cysts. And I have another grapefruit-sized cyst filled with endometriosis. So she says that I need to be scheduled for emergency surgery. Unfortunate, not unfortunately, because there's a very powerful point to this, but emergency surgery does not mean immediate surgery. It took about four months between that emergency room visit to the actual surgery date because I had to be connected with an OBGYN. I had to have MRIs. I had to have blood work done. There were lots of things that needed to happen before I went into that. So I come home from the emergency room. I'm in a lot of abdominal pain. I'm in bed, just recovering, scrolling on Instagram. And somebody that I followed posted a story of them playing their new singing bowl. Now, I had never seen a singing bowl before. I had no idea what sound healing was, but I saw that video and everything inside of my body lit up. It was like a remembering washed through me. And I messaged her and I said, where did you get this? What is this? Tell me all about it. She said that she got it from a woman down in Laguna Beach, which is about an hour and a half drive from where I currently was. I called the woman. I made an appointment for the next day. I got in the car. I drove down there. She closed her store and was with me for about five hours. Now, again, I had no concept of what sound healing was. And within an hour, she said, are you sure you've never done this before? And I was like, yeah, no. And she said, I've been doing this for 15 years and you play better than I do. So this must be a past life experience that's coming back for you. It was like, and I kind of see it as like a scene from Matilda where I was just looking and pointing to different bowls on these shelves filled with crystal singing bowls. And I knew their notes and I knew what the mineral intention was. And I, I knew how they would work together. It was completely intuitive and just part of my cellular knowledge. And so I bought two singing bowls and every day between that moment and my surgery date, I played the singing bowls for myself with the intention and the very deep knowing trust that they were going to heal me. 
I went into surgery. I have the scars to prove it. And everything was gone. When I woke up from the surgery, the OBG said, I don't know what you did. And I don't even need to know what you did, but just keep doing that. And from that moment is when I decided to become a sound healer and to help other people heal, whether it's a physical ailment like it was for me, or perhaps it's emotional trauma that they're wanting to heal, or even just finding clarity in their life. There are so many benefits to sound healing. And I made that career switch. And just as easy as it was for me to come into to California as a chef, this switch was also very easy and divinely led. So that brings us to date. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm processing everything you're saying. There's so many little um, things I wrote down here as you were talking. So just going back to going into the, the day of the surgery, going in for your surgery. So all the sound healing that you had done yourself is what, when the doctors went in there and they said, there's nothing here. Like, she's good. She's okay. So, and did you feel like when you went into surgery, did you feel different? Like, did you feel like you were kind of healthier, I guess? I did feel healthier. I had been doing a lot of different things, really following my intuition. I started eating a lot of cherries for some reason. The color and the juiciness of the red of the cherries. It was also cherry season. So I was lucky with that in California and I was drinking cherry juice every day. I had um, stopped eating a lot of grains and was focusing more on vegetables. So I do know that the sound healing is the primary conductor of that healing, but I was also shifting other areas of my life and I felt healthier overall. I was also not working a very toxic and taxing job. I could just focus on my own healing. I continued doing the 2B magnetic work. So every day I was in a hypnosis meditation. I was scanning my internal subconscious landscape, making sure that I didn't have any limiting beliefs that were holding me back. If I had anxiety or fear about this pending surgery, I would go in and I would soothe myself in those situations. And I really connected with my angelic and spirit team throughout this process. I, if there were any instances where things felt confusing or difficult, I would just surrender it to them and say, you know, if this is meant to be, please let it come through easily. And if it's not, then I trust that it's not the right thing. And there were multiple situations where that happened, where I was supposed to be on a certain medication, which I am never been one for medication, but with this, I felt very strongly, like I just need to do the, the minimum of what this doctor is telling me to do for this surgery. For some reason, that medication was not being fulfilled, but through my pharmacy repeatedly, repeatedly, I couldn't get through to anybody. And so I said, you know, if this is, if I'm not supposed to take this medication, then I will trust that as well. And if I am, please let it come through. Within 24 hours, I got a call from my old insurance in New York saying that they keep getting a request for this medication, but I'm listed as no longer active or living in New York. And so they keep denying it. But that's why it wasn't coming through. It was, it was being routed to the wrong state. And that simple conversation, she said, okay, great. I'm just going to route it back to your medication or your insurance in California now. And I had it, the prescription filled very fast from there. So 
having that awareness that I'm not doing this myself was really helpful, that there are other energies at play that I can lean on and ask support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I've heard a saying of like the universe works in mysterious ways, right? Yes. And I think that's true. You also mentioned um, in your journey, which thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I find mm-hmm. that fascinating. I think a lot of times people might dream or fantasize about a life. You know, maybe the, the path they're on right now is not the one that they want to be on. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I, like you said, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. Or, you know, if I could just say these things, if I had that moment. And people think about it, but to do it is a whole different thing. So you mentioned ending a three-year relationship. And you also mentioned, I mean, here you have an opportunity to be partnership in a restaurant. And now some people might say, oh, well, you have to work more, you know, more hours or it wasn't exactly what you wanted, you know, but it's your chance to get your business off the ground. So to really stand firm in what you believe and say, no, this isn't working for me. That's really, really hard to do. How did you find, I don't know if it's the courage, but how did you find, I guess, the strength to walk away from that relationship and say, no, I, this is not the deal with the partnership on the restaurant that I thought it was going to be. A lot of it is that courage and trust, trusting in myself. That is the biggest thing for any, whether I'm facilitating a class or I'm working individually with a client, I'm always instilling that people have their own sovereignty, their own agency, and you have to be able to trust yourself implicitly in any situation, compromise is part of that. You, We have to compromise constantly because we are not a solo character with avatars moving around us. There are other people, they have their own desires, they have their own inner child wounds as well. So we are constantly maneuvering around having to come to these compromises so that we can work together. That being said, I have found that when a compromise is aligned, it will feel aligned. You'll be aware that, okay, I have to compromise in this situation. It isn't exactly what I'm wanting, but I can see the bigger picture and that we're both in this together, whether that is a relationship or the restaurant dynamic versus, okay, I am compromising so much and this is going against my own integrity. This is going against my values. I am not receiving the same amount of energy from the other party. And I feel like I'm either hiding myself. I'm feeling small. I'm feeling taken advantage of. I feel resentment. Any of those sensations are indicators that it's not in alignment for you. Whereas when you do have that healthier compromise, that aligned compromise, it feels more like, okay, I can navigate this. We can do this together. I can see that even maybe something bigger and better will be created through this compromise. There's a flow and there's an understanding that it is a communal experience. So if you're in a relationship and it doesn't feel right just pay attention to those subtleties. Notice if your partner is really there with you saying, I know that this is a difficult time. This is a difficult situation, this um, difficult experience that we're having together, but I'm here with you and we're going to figure it out versus the opposite, which tends to be more that buzzword of gaslighting and neglect 
and resentment, those types of things. And just noticing that, maybe not noticing, but trusting that team that I was talking about and that you can say to them, if this isn't meant for me, please let it move through. Let it move past me. I've found in this work that very rarely do I need to take action on something. It will come and stay, or it will just simply pass by. Um, When I was ending that relationship that I was talking about, I actually didn't end it. I had made the decision within myself that it was no longer something that I wanted and was working with that team. And then my boyfriend at the time, he actually came after two weeks of silence and said, you know, this isn't working out for me. So he resolved and gave the solution of what I had already decided for myself. And so I still use that to this day. Yes, sometimes I do have to say, you know, this isn't what I want. That's what I had to do with the restaurant. I gave my notice. I said, you know, I have just, it doesn't feel aligned anymore. I wish you all the best. And I moved on. Hmm. I think that's great. Now, just to switch gears, I'm I'm excited for what we're going to dive into a little bit more, especially for some of the things you've already mentioned. I wanted to, because you mentioned in your journey that you have, you started on the East Coast, now you're in LA. And although the listeners can't see you right now, and I'm sure they're going to um, check out your page if they haven't already, which will be linked in the show notes below, but you're absolutely gorgeous. And here you are in LA, which, you know, we all know, you know, celebrities and it's a very different world out there. And one of the things that you've mentioned, again, maybe I heard maybe during your class or maybe it was um, on an Instagram story, but you don't dye your hair. And I wanted to touch on this because here you are living in a place where it seems like it's all about appearance and how you look. And how how did you get to this place? And how, you know, with women feeling so much pressure all the time to be all the things, um, the podcast is all about finding that peace and balance. So how did you get to a place where you were comfortable with that decision? And and especially out of all the things, living in LA doing that. Mm -hmm. So... I will say that it stems from my childhood, as everything does that I've been expressing thus far. So growing up, the a really big affirmation that I continued to hear from so many people, whether it was my parents or my extended family, friends, or even strangers, was that I was a natural beauty. That was something that was instilled in me. And I actually had to do a lot of work to deprogram myself from that because I acquired and built up my own amount of shame. Whereas if I woke up one day and I didn't look naturally beautiful, I felt less than. I felt that I wasn't living up to everyone's expectations of me. Or let's say I wanted to wear makeup or get my hair done, that I wasn't being that natural beauty, that I wasn't relying on that and having to look to these other more superficial things. So that is an underlying belief system that I have. So that can just be the the blanket foundation there. Um, I have other physical insecurities. I think we all have those pieces of ourselves where my hair, not dyeing my hair, that for me a long time ago, I would see my mom and she still dyes her hair to this day. And 
I never understood why I, I knew with that feedback of the natural beauty and my mom is a natural beauty as well, but she didn't have that base foundation affirmation. So she di- started dyeing her hair at a young age. As soon as she started turning gray, she also permed her hair for a long time, even though she has straight hair, she always wears makeup. You will never see her out of the house without it. And just watching all the energy that she put into maintaining herself and then seeing often that she still would complain about how she looked and that it wasn't really fulfilling anything. So from my perspective, it was taking time and energy. Um, There was a lot of time spent in the morning having to make sure that her hair was blown dry and she had her makeup on. And, oh, now it's that once a month where I have to get my hair dyed and the money that goes into maintaining all of that. And then having the outcome be, well, I'm still not satisfied. And I decided from a young age that that just was not something that I was going to do. I had no interest in doing that in general. I never really had felt pulled to or excited about makeup or or trendy hairstyles or things like that because of that foundational affirmation of natural beauty. And then seeing this portrayal of, well, it doesn't even matter if I did do that because then I still wouldn't be satisfied. So there's no point. So all of that had been instilled in me at a very young age and living in Los Angeles. When I first got here, I will say that when I was working for the celebrity client, I was in their home. Their wife was very like that, getting all of the things done and having people come over to the house to do manicures. And I started to feel insecure and I did contemplate going to get my hair dyed. I did start playing around with wearing makeup while I was at work, just so that I felt that I was kind of at that, a similar level, if you will, but that's not even a real thing. That's just a, a perception. It didn't last very long because I, I value my free time so much and I want to utilize my time doing things that bring me joy And for maybe three weeks, I was doing the makeup thing and doing my hair in the morning to make sure that I looked cute. And, but I just, it quickly fell off because it wasn't in alignment with me. Um, And you mentioned the being in LA and being around all of that. It's very easy to get swept up in that if you do not feel confident in yourself, if you don't feel secure in who you are, if you are not happy with these aspects of you, then of course you're going to be swayed by these other things. That's um, the one statistic that I learned recently that just blew my mind was that designer, luxury designer brands like Louis Vuitton and all of those big ones, they're, I think it was like upwards of 80% of their income comes from people who have an average salary, an average yearly salary. Really? It's all about keeping up with the Joneses at that point. And that's then causing so much more struggle in their own lives to prove that they feel worthy enough that they have this extra expendable income, but then that is causing constriction in other areas of their life. So 
it's just something to be aware of when, when we're in this manifestation space, in the subconscious space, that is a lack of worthiness. That's a lack of trust in yourself, a lack of love for who you actually are. And then that plays out in the shadows, making yourself feel that you need to put on this mask in order to be loved. And that is just not true, but it's a very valid feeling that most people experience. I still experience those sensations in other areas. Um, I will say that not dyeing my hair does bring a lot of attention. It's not constant. It's maybe not even once a week, but I will have people, mostly men, which is very curious. I get a lot of men that tell me how they use the word often sexy it is to see a woman with natural gray hair. And that's a very, it was very surprising to me at first. And then now I get it so often that it's not very surprising. And I also don't always take it as they're hitting on me. I can tell that it's coming from a genuine space. I think because it's not the norm, it's something unique and different that that draws them more to me. So if that, I don't know, illuminates anything for any of the listeners that like, maybe you would feel more desired if you allowed yourself to be this natural, authentic version of yourself. Um, My man that I have manifested that we'll talk about later, that was one of the first things that he said about me was that he loved my gray hair and he, it showed him that I was so confident in who I am as a woman that I didn't need to do that, that that was the energy that he's looking for in a partner. I love that. I love that choosing not to dye your hair is sending not the message of like, it it sends a different kind of message. Like you said, like that you're confident in who you are and how amazing that so many men have said to you that it's like, that's not what you would think. And I think that's Mm -hmm. so cool that out of, you know, not that, you know, you're doing it for yourself. And, and I also loved, um, you were saying about your mom and how, how much time and energy and the, the cost and just putting on her makeup, all the things, yeah. And then to still be like, eh, well, you know, I don't, I don't know if I love it or whatever it might be and still not be completely happy after all that time and money. And I, yeah. that really brings up a really good perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you actually just mentioned the word manifestation, which has been, it seems like such a buzzword. And I even remember after attending or while attending your workshop, I think you had shared a story. I don't know if, where this was, but there was a couple of girls that were just chatting ahead of you. And I think one of the girls turned to the other girl and said, oh, if you want that thing, just manifest it and just kind of threw it out there. And you were mentioning how that word is just everywhere right now. Um, and so could you talk to us a little bit about really what that means and maybe just some basic steps for those of us who just kind of want to, you know, I guess manifest things in our own life. Like where do we start? What does that yeah. look like? And, and, and does it work? Yeah. So yes, it does work. Um, I can guarantee that it does work, but you have to do the work for it to work. Um, so manifest to manifest is simply to bring to fruition. And before this age of manifestation, it was utilized more in a medical sense that certain illnesses or ailments would manifest within the body. Um, now this manifestation rhetoric and this 
started to become more popular again with that, the secret, the book, the secret that came out, I think it was in the early two thousands or slightly before. And it was all about affirmations and visualizations and making vision boards and really ingraining in your mind and your conscious mind, willing yourself to believe that you can have your wildest desires. This did work for a very small amount of people um, because we're all different. We're all unique and we all have some things work for some people, but for the majority of people, it did not work. And this was actually really great because it led us to explore what manifestation is on a deeper level. It's not this superficial vision board, just like I was saying about the makeup and the dyeing the hair, you're still going to wear makeup and dye your hair and then potentially feel not satisfied. So obviously those surface level affirmations do not really do anything for us and more science and Actually, they have done a lot of studies and really figured out this equation that manifestation is coming from the subconscious. And I talked about this briefly in the beginning that the subconscious part of your mind is 90% of your brain power. All of your thoughts that we are thinking, all of the little aspects of the day are coming from your conscious mind. That's 10% of your brain power. So the subconscious is this whole iceberg under the water kind of situation. It's not only governing all of the bodily functions, your heart rate, your lungs breathing, your blood moving through the veins. Those are all automatic nervous system situations that are governed in the subconscious. But your subconscious was also formed kind of like a computer, again, from those ages of zero to seven years old. You were a brand new being on this planet that needed to be told and taught and shown what life is. All of us have drastically different life experiences, and then we replay out those belief systems in our life now. It's kind of like that subconscious computer is printing out a replica, a reality of what this is. So many people, the easiest way to say this is when you get that like frustrated feeling of why am I here again? Why is this situation happening again? Why do I keep dating the same type of person? Why are my bosses always like that? Why am I having the same issue with money? It's because your subconscious is literally looping through a neural pathway, a neural synapse in the brain. If you even picture a brain, it's very wrinkly. It has all of those divots. Within those wrinkles are these neural pathways. And this is where the electronic information gets sent through. And over time, I'm now 36. I have a lot of pathways that were ingrained and have been looping for 36 years. Those are strong pathways. Those are ingrained in my behavior, in my personality, in my perception. I am scanning life and looking to validate those learned perceptions. So when we go into the subconscious through exercises like meditation, hypnosis, sound healing, you're able to go into that computer system 
look at what is inputted. What is the information there? That's the first step is just understanding what information is put in there and then offering a suggestion of something else. The subconscious is highly suggestible. So you can decide what you want to put in place of that information that was originally put in there. But when you put in that new information, that's a very young neural synapse. So you have to practice and you have to repeat that information through ongoing meditation, ongoing hypnosis until that neural synapse can be strengthened. Sometimes you, and it's a very physical sensation, you can have kind of a breakthrough or an aha moment. I know Oprah talks about her aha moments. We've all have had had those where you can really feel it in your body. It's like a, whoa, now everything I see things differently. That doesn't happen all the time, but it is possible. So in this manifestation space, now understanding that basis of subconscious manifestation, there are different aspects that have to happen. One is that awareness that I just talked about, really understanding and doing the self-inquiry to look back at your childhood. What are all the areas of information that have been put into your mind? And that is from love and how you deal with money to religious beliefs, to your expression of sexuality, to um, how you behave in society, to gender roles, gender norms and expressions all the minutiae, the way that we utilize food. Um, I mean, the list goes on, but really breaking down into all of those areas individually and just looking at, okay, let's think about money. For example, what was my financial situation and upbringing? I grew up with a single mother who worked three jobs and an absent father who did not contribute at all. So I am a small Tess looking at this world and seeing that it's really difficult to make money. You have to work really hard to even just make break even with your basic needs. And there is never enough money for extra luxuries, but for me, this was my own personal story. I am so deserving of anything that I want, any material item. So we'll just use a credit card. So that skewed my reality of money. My belief system for a long time, and I still am working through it, is I have to work very hard for the money that I make. There will never be enough beyond meeting my basic needs and anything extra I want, just put it on a credit card and pretend that it doesn't exist. So not everyone has this upbringing. You will have your own specific one. But now that I know that information, I then look to, and this is a a word coined by the to be magnetic people, but it's being adopted more frequently is known as expanders. You want to expand Expand your subconscious understanding of what's possible. So now that I know what my money story is, I will look to other people that had a similar upbringing to me, but changed their relationship with money. There was a woman, her name is Tori Washington, had a very similar upbringing, um, even found herself at 29 filing for bankruptcy 
and was totally like everything was taken from her, totally rock bottomed. And now she's a multimillionaire and works as a coach for people empowering specifically women with their money. So that put into my awareness of, oh, wow, someone even worse off than me was able to figure out how to navigate this money space. Uh, The woman, Lacey, who developed to be magnetic also came from low income family, very toxic family dynamic environment, terrible money story. And now she followed her authenticity and really channeled this manifestation program and is a multimillionaire. So I'm actively putting in these pieces into my subconscious that some other outcome is possible. It's that power of suggestion, but then breaking it down into micro steps. So this is then another facet of the manifestation is taking aligned action. And I've developed my own system that I call my embodiment blueprint. So this is to help you break down and bridge the gap of where you are now to where you want to go into micro, micro steps. So if I am trying to fix my money story, I've expanded that it's possible, but now I need to take aligned action. The first step I'm going to do is stop using my credit cards. I'm going to put them in the freezer in a glass filled with water frozen so that I don't even have access to them until the water thaws, which is going to give me time to really think over, do I need to make this purchase right now? Is it worth letting my credit card thaw from the freezer that I actively put in there? Probably not. So it's putting in these little tiny adjustments that, that just alter the way that I'm working. So we have the awareness piece. We have the expansion piece. We have the aligned action piece. The next thing is going to be tests. And I did mention this previous, the universe will test you. And this is the piece that most people have the most resistance to this idea. They don't like the concept that the universe is going to test them, that they have to prove themselves to the universe. There's also then a lot of pressure because they feel that they need to pass this test. And if they fail this test, then it just shows them that they're not worthy, that they're worthless, that then all of their shame and shadow beliefs are true. I will say that, of course, that's an understandable way to look at tests. However, that's not the intention of the universe. The universe is simply coming to you and saying, I see that you want this thing, whether it's a relationship, a material item, or just a way of being with yourself. I am going to give you a test of something that you would have said yes to in the past. Are you going to say yes to this again? Or are you going to say no and hold out for something better? There is no pass or fail. It is simply information. If the universe brings this thing that you would have settled for in the past and you say yes and you settle for it again, it simply tells the universe, this is where I'm at. I am not ready to up-level yet. There's still things that I need to work through. There's still investigation that I need within the subconscious. There's still micro steps and adjustments of aligned action where I still need to be expanded. If you say, no, I'm going to hold out for something better because I've done all of that work and I know that I'm more worthy, 
then it will bring usually then another test. So you're constantly being tested at these little increments to help you raise your own self-worth. And I want to give a disclaimer that your self-worth is unlimited. There is no cap to self-worth. It's simply your belief and connection to your own self-worth. So those are the aspects that need to be in play within the manifestation space. And you actually have an example where you have been manifesting something yourself for for some time and it's come to fruition. So would you share with us what that might be? I will, yes. And I have a lot of the other pieces of the manifestation puzzle to share with that. So I have been manifesting since I left that relationship. That was um, three years ago. For the last, I would say, actively two years, I did give myself a year after the breakup and just moving and working through that memory that had surfaced and all of that. I kind of, I wasn't actively looking for somebody, even though it was still something that I really wanted deep inside. I started actively manifesting my man, my partner, my future husband for the last two years. And it got to many, many points where I felt like, what else can I do? Why is he still not here? Feeling that I was doing something wrong in the manifestation process, that there maybe I am not good enough because I am doing all of this work and he's still not here. So then that's, again, just information showing myself those limiting beliefs that I have. And for me, what that looked like was getting really clear about the type of man I want. What is his, what are his qualities? How do I want to feel in his presence? What is he like in his own life? What are his passions? And then lastly, but can be fun, what does he look like? What is this person? How do I how do we fit together even? And I wrote lists I wrote letters to him. I channeled. I do a lot of what is known as mirror work, where I'll sit in front of the mirror and I'll have conversations with myself about different topics. And you also, I implore the listeners, but I had to do this for myself, really allow yourself to release all of the shoulds. Because all of the shoulds are things that are coming from your childhood patterning. Those are the things that you at the very beginning are going through and understanding like, okay, society tells me that I need a man that is 5'11 or or taller and anyone under that I'm not even going to consider. That's not an authentic alignment need for my manifestation list. And so just really looking at those things. And if you go through all of that and you're like, no, 5'11 or higher is absolutely only what I am interested in. I then ask you to look at what is the root of that. What will you receive? What will you feel if you have a man that is 5'11 or higher? And come to that root word and know that it's more about that feeling than his actual physical height. And I'm using this 
height example because that is like the number one thing that I hear with women who are manifesting their partner. They have all of these very physical attributes that they have to be met, but really it's, you're just like pricing yourself out of something that's not, doesn't really exist. So, so in that I am getting very clear. I'm looking at all of these nuances. 5'11 or higher was on my list for a long time really understanding what is it, why for me, it was that I wanted to feel safe and I wanted to feel almost this quality of feeling smaller because I equated that as to feeling feminine, that if I feel smaller than this giant man, he can keep me safe. And that was the root sensation and had nothing to do with the physical height. So Again, getting cleared, continuing to do the work, doing the meditations, the hypnosis, the sound healing for myself, but also taking aligned action into becoming who I am and who I want to be with that man. Who Who is the version of me that will have that man? What am I doing in my own life? What have I achieved and what have I created and what have I dreamed how have I expressed myself and what can I do now in order to get to that? So utilizing my embodiment blueprint, I found that, well, I would feel really embodied. And for me to feel embodied, what does that mean? It's, well, I want to feel healthy. So what are the micro things that I can do to feel healthy? I'm going to drink 64 ounces of water every day. I'm going to um, eat this specific uh amount of vegetables and proteins every day. I am going to make sure that I'm taking all of my supplements. I'm going to go for a walk and get my heartbeat going. Um, but I also, with the embodiment, it's maybe a feeling of sensuality and expression. And so what can I do for that? Well, I'm going to dance to three songs with my headphones on in my room every night, just a little dance. And that maybe it was I was feeling really tired and I was on my period and I just wanted to lay on the floor and like wiggle a little bit, whatever it was to just get myself in my body. So I'm moving through these things and let's see, it was maybe in May. So this was two months prior to meeting him. Um, I had this awareness come through that this whole time I've been wanting a man, but I also wanted to work on my career. And because I could not control when my man was coming or how I was going to meet him, I could focus more tangibly on my career. And so I kept turning all of my attention and focus to that, to, okay, I'm going to send out newsletters and I'm going to reach out to this studio and I'm going to teach more classes and I'm going to offer this program and I'm going to whatever, filling up all of my time. I'm going to do the podcast. I'm going to have the Instagram. I'm going to have a second Instagram. I'm going to have a women's group that we meet monthly. All of my time, energy, and attention was being poured into my business, which is absolutely fine. But then I had this awareness that, oh, wait, I have everything now with my business that I want. I don't, yes, I could keep growing, but at this point I kind of feel satisfied. I don't really need to keep doing a bunch of stuff. And actually I need to make space to receive my man. There's right now no space if I were to receive him. 
And so I just paused everything. I paused the podcast. I paused the Instagram accounts. I stopped sending out newsletters. I stopped promoting myself, but I would show up to my scheduled classes and my uh, client meetings and all of those things. I would show up fully. But then on the other time, I was open. And what that looked like for me was going to the beach or the park and laying in the sun and doing nothing because I am just inherently worthy of having time and space and feeling warm and luxurious. One of those days I was at the beach doing exactly that and just precursor, this is not my man, but an example, a a beautiful, beautiful foreign man, Mexican, runs over to me at my blanket. Oh my goodness. All of this is so beautiful. Just the blankets and the fruit that you have out and your bathing suit and everything is just, can I please take your picture? Please. Can I take your picture? And I was like, sure, absolutely. He takes my picture. We're talking. He's so interested in the sound healing. Oh, wow. I live in Mexico. I'm just here visiting. If you're ever in Mexico, let me know. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I I knew it wasn't anything. So I didn't take it very seriously. He, thank you so much for this picture. I love it. He runs away. Very soon, within a few minutes, I get this clarity in my mind that this is the way I'm going to meet my husband. This is the only way that I am going to receive the man that I am waiting for is that he is going to run to me. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to make myself available. I don't need to, oh, there's a cute guy over there. I'm going to put my phone down and try to make eye contact with him. None of that BS. Stop it. Just do what I'm doing and he will run to me. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Now, Tess and I continue this conversation in next week's episode, so come back to hear the rest of what she has to say. Before you go, I need your help. If you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way down and give the Piece of Me podcast a positive rating and review. You can also support the podcast by subscribing to this show on Spotify, Apple, Pandora, or wherever you listen. To stay connected, follow the Piece of Me podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and at the website peaceofmepodcast.com.